Hello, what's going on? My name is Rich Ryan. This is the Reinforced Running Podcast where we talk about obstacle course racing. We talk about strength training. We talk about endurance training. We talk about all sorts of stuff. Today, we're honing in on some strength training. We have returned guest Dylan Moralia, who is as advanced in strength training and programming as anyone that I know. So I love chatting with him. And in this episode, we talk specifically about strongman style training. So how to train like a strongman and how it will relate to obstacle course racing. In my personal opinion, I think it is the most practical way to take strength training that will translate directly to the course. So we talk about a lot of the ins and outs and things that you could do in your training like tomorrow to get a great bang for your buck. So I think you'll really enjoy it. I love chatting with him again. Super knowledgeable. Great dude. Here we go. Dill Moralia. <laughs> like the numbers are just outrageous. I don't even know why why it's like that. So Dylan, my guy, what's going on, dude? I'm doing good today. How about yourself, Rich? <laughs> doing fantastic. I'm really excited to have you on. You've been on the show a couple times before, and just talking talking with you, I've always been really impressed with like your knowledge around strength training. Like you're really versed in uh, a lot of areas of this of the strength world. And so you kind of come from more of a traditional uh, athletic background, right? Playing like ball sports, more like like rugby was one of like your main deals, right? Um, and then you and your brother found yourself in the OCR space. You trained as endurance athletes, found some really good success in the in like the stadiums uh, space, and then also did you did fantastic in the TMX race whenever that was. Was that 2018 now? 2017, 2018, yeah. Man, that's crazy. <laughs> it takes so far, uh, and and now you've been working with some of the highest levels in OCR, and not and who on the strength side of things who are doing really well uh, at, at the top of the competition in OCR specifically. So, I I reached out to you. I wanted to see what's been on your brain, and you've been talking like the way you've been training a lot has been more like the strong man odd object style of training. You, you mentioned a lot about like kind of training the the spine more or less uh, so i'm really interested in in picking your brain about this because i'm thinking about it a lot lately because it seems like a good avenue to go down to so just to give an idea of what like strong we'll just call it strong man for the sake of that right now sure like, let's keep it easy we'll keep it easy so what do you consider like strong man movement and are we cool is it strong man still is it strong person training i'm surprised <laughs> that's, i'm surprised that's hanging on I mean, you, it, right now, this weekend is World's Strongest Man competition. They have both men's and women's events, so they're still calling it World's, World's Strongest Man. So. so, like, when the women when the woman wins, does she get a trophy that says World's Strongest Man 2021? World's Strongest Man competition 2021? That's interesting. I don't know. <laughs> we got to see if this trophy's like, where's that competition at? Uh, it's in Sacramento, California right now, and oh, no it's so unreal that they're not streaming it live. So CBS Sports is doing it, and we get to watch it July 3rd, but right now it's going on this whole weekend. Any of these things that aren't putting it up live or doing like YouTube like right day of, like that's so antiquated. I know. <laughs> Believe me, I've it, been getting stressed out trying to figure out how to watch it, and then I realized I couldn't. Did you watch strongman competitions growing up? Like on uh, ESPN? No. Not, I didn't even know it was a thing. Are you serious? They used to just put them on ESPN like... They would do like marathons almost. It'd be like Magnus for Magnuson going up and like he was just crushing people for years. And they would show them back to back to back. And I don't know what years they were ever from, but I, I was always watching those. So, Maybe it was so the gym I work too. at now has constant YouTube videos playing on the big screen TV. And it's like always like the 70s, the 80s, the 90s strongman competitions just on replay. I'm like, this is sweet. <laughs> 
So I interrupted you. What do you think? What would you consider strongman training? So strongman, I mean, really what it comes down to, the simplest version of it is just odd object lifting or moving. And that's what it comes down to. And the basic why it's so good to incorporate into your training, regardless of what type of athlete you are, is because you are moving in multiple planes rather than just this normal sagittal plane lifting that everyone gets used to. And so with this odd object lifting, you're moving throughout multiple planes and instead of just lifting weight you could almost say that you're just moving weight which is more beneficial to your sport right that's that's a good way to put it because yeah like in a power lifting or an olympic lifting competition you do stay in one spot yep like you should anyway where in strongman you kind of are asked to load something up and then and then walk with it or put it in a different spot typically yep and there's just no like there's no set technique for every single movement because they could change it up competition day and you're doing something different So it could be like the first time your body is actually used to trying something new in competition format. Right. And with the basis, like the overarching theme of this then, because like in powerlifting, there's really not an, an, an element of cardio at all, right? Like there's definitely like, I mean, I'm sure you could do some cardio training just to increase your capacity to train, but like in the actual competition day, there's really nothing that's going to elevate your heart rate for a sustained amount of time. Correct. But in strongman, there would be in the competition sense. Yeah. And some of the events can definitely go for more than 60 seconds at a time. And you could be doing events for five minutes. Like some of those medleys do take time and you are running during them. So it's like, it's, it's just this different aspect of strength. Right. Right. All very, all in the very powerful end of things. And for OCR, is this something – so how did you kind of learn to to get into this piece? Was it because you're like, hey, what's another element of strength? Was it more directed toward performance or was it more like on your career path because uh, – which we'll talk about, uh, you know, you have to train for, for your career as a firefighter as well. So like how – when did you start to kind of like So before this? I got into OCR and everything, when I was still back on the East Coast training at this gym, Equinox, which is the future of gyms as people like to say – um, there's one of the trainers brought in his 200 pounds, um, sandbag and mm. it was just a sandbag. There's no handles on it. So it's one of those sandstone things. And he brought it in. I'm like, this is the coolest thing ever. And trying to lift that thing was next to impossible for me at the time. And just thinking like, this is just only 200 pounds. Like I could easily squat over 300. I could easily deadlift 450 or 500. Like, why can't I get this thing off the ground? So that's what really brought my interest into the strongman world was it was so gratifying to finally be able to lift that 200 pound stone up and like throw it over your shoulder. Like to me, that is the most gratifying lift there is. Was it like a primal thing? It was like a, a, a man coming up against a rock in the woods. It's like, I'm, I'm moving this. Thing. I mean, that's definitely an aspect of it. It's like, it's definitely a lift you don't see too often. And it has like this different, I don't know. It just speaks to you differently than just coming up to a barbell. So when you had to like, cause you're right. When you're, when you're picking up, uh, even a hundred, like 200 pound sandbags, pretty heavy sandbag but even if you're picking up like a 100 150 pound sandbag which is doable and you and and movable it doesn't feel the same as uh, like a barbell with a 100 pounds on it yep. is an extremely light barbell it is right. insanely different and I, and I remember going to tmx when they brought the um, the sandbags into competition we had to do 15 reps at 150 pounds and i remember i practiced so much that like i was cranking out 15 reps within like 60 seconds and there was a kid who can clean uh, he could clean like 245 at the time, and that was more than I could clean at the time, but he couldn't get this bag over his shoulder because it was just so – it was such a different technique and something that you just have to work for, and it's more core <clears throat> involved than any other lift. 
Those sandbags were murdering people. I went to TMX the first year in 2017, and I did the. That was when it was just the cleans, and then there was the uh, shoulder the overhead at later. Because in the later TMXs, the TMX that you were at, there was like they kind of progressed it, right? Everything, there was everything just got heavier, and they gave in like more stuff. <laughs> damn, that's so cool, man. Do you just like think about TMX? Like, damn, I hope it comes back or something like it comes back. Uh, I just did Murph in not too long ago and I saw E-Rock there and I'm like, oh, E-Rock. And we just started talking, reminiscing about TMX. I'm like, great. Now we're talking about it again. Now I wish it was here. <laughs> it's not. <laughs> and so, now we're talking about it again. It's cool to see you, but now I'm kind of hating you right now. <laughs> <laughs> he's the High Rocks guy now. I just saw him in Orlando. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's yeah, out he's... there do- doing his thing. Very, very enthusiastic uh inspiring dude um and really fit really fit guy yeah um so with the sandbags how did how would you say it like you said it's a lot more core oriented but like when you think about it in terms of when you're just kind of like trying to wrap your head around this like what is it about picking up a sandbag or a stone or even like one of those like kind of like tombstone type of things that that they have to move around why is it so much more difficult um, two reasons. One, there has to be more compression force involved. Like you have to squeeze that bag. You have to squeeze like this, whatever odd object you're lifting. And you have to, it's not like you're just gripping onto it easily and you could just let your hands hold on and the rest of your muscles kind of do the work. Like, no, there is a solid compression force with your arms and your chest trying to hold onto this thing for dear life. And then you have to lift it. And the second thing that makes it harder is you're in a disadvantage for lifting. The bar is super close to you. And it puts you in a pretty good advantageous position to lift. With a stone or some other odd objects, you now have to get lower to the ground. So your muscles are in a more lengthened or shortened position. And it's also more in front of you or more of the weight is past your center of mass. And now you have more leverage going against you. Yeah, that's interesting. Because, yeah, the barbell is just nice and clean, right? It's like... I don't know if it was specifically designed to keep things nice and close to so that it the 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 path of the bar remains close so it's easier to move. Right. But yeah, it's all out the window, especially when it's even yeah, like Yeah, every more every few inches that you're going away from your center of mass, you're just increasing the amount of force you're actually lifting or need to lift this object. So, in terms of the the strength requirements, say the the person you're referring to who had like that 245 clean uh, who, who struggle with the the one fifteen the one fifty at TMX? Is there is that simply a matter of technique or with training in in uh, an element that's going to be much easier and closer to your to your body and you're able to kind of get under it easier like a barbell? Are you missing aspects of strength or what do you think? Uh, it's one hundred percent in my mind at least a technique thing because I'll give you a nice little anecdote right now. I remember I did. Uh, there's this event in California. They do like an obstacle course race, and then they have like Strongman Alley. And the name of the event's escaping me, but maybe you'll remember. But Strongman Alley was a 100-meter race, and you had to do like eight Strongman things down to the end of the race. And one of the things was they had the 200-pound bag there. You had to flip it over your shoulder five times. And then the next Oof. thing was like a 405-pound deadlift you had to do five times. There was a huge like powerlifter dude right there. Must have been <clears throat> 300 pounds. I saw him practicing 405 deadlifts like it was cake. <laughs> but he gets the sandbag and he can't lift it one time over his shoulder, not even once. And he gets struggle bust right there and stops. So then it's my turn to go on the race and he's like watching me like furiously to see if I can even lift this bag. And of course I can because I practiced it. So five times over the shoulder and as soon as I lift it over my shoulder, he just walks away like in self pity almost. And then I get to the deadlifts and have trouble with that. But 
Right. Like I said, like this guy <laughs> was huge, and um, he couldn't do the sandbag. So it's definitely a technique thing. That's really interesting. And is it because uh, there's a, a certain element of mobility in that dude's instance? Was he not able to get low enough to to kind of lap it, um, or did he not know to even lap it? Was he just trying to like muscle? That's the a thing? good question. I wasn't really watching this form too much, but like I mean, he definitely had str- he struggled with it. So it's definitely some part of its mobility. Do you have a strong enough spine to brace and do that? lifting but i mean yeah it's a technique thing and it's important to bring into other types of training yeah and the the idea of having a stronger spine to like brace right and are you referring to like like intra-abdominal pressure to kind of create uh like i don't know just forces in your abs to make sure that you are that you don't like be aren't like folded over from the thing i mean that's part of the having a strong spine is being able to brace the other part of it is like is your spine strong enough to move as it's as it should like the muscles around the spine or is it a mobility thing like uh it could be both it could be both i mean people can be limited mobility wise but you should be able to the muscles around the spine be able to work and support that structure and this is something that is also interesting with like typical gym lifts that you know we are always told or even like in a uh i I have a pt friend who was adamant about never moving into like uh like your spine into flexion right like never having like a rounded back to to do anything yeah you should you should never move your spine flexion i'm doing air quotes right now but like in real life when are you ever lifting like that when are you focusing on your form 100 percent of the time when you're in a race like you that doesn't come to mind right you can't just brace you can't just brace and like hinge at your hips like come down completely flat back to lift it up and that's what people that's what we're taught right and like that's what in a, in a standard gym setting when you're learning how to do a deadlift or a squat even right like it's like back flat you know core brace hinge at the hip state keep your back flat as you're like loaded and as your torso is loaded but to pick up uh like a stone we'll keep or and sandbag we'll keep those as the examples you do have to kind of round over oh yeah right absolutely and, and so as long as you're training to do that, you should gain strength in those areas. You won't necessarily get hurt, right? That's. I mean, that's what I've been training for the last uh, like fourteen weeks now is spine strength and just preparing for events. So let's kind of dive into some of the nuts and bolts of them and what some of these movements might look like in particular, just so people have a good sense of of what it looks like. Because there's probably some. You know, if people saw watch the events like I did back in the day, or they see some things in in the gym, they're not quite sure what it really looks like. Uh, let's just kind of go through the uh, our four or five favorite type of exercises that we would use in terms of like strong men, strong person training. Strong person uh, training. <laughs> so you go first. What do you would you say is uh, one of your favorite moves to to go through? Uh, it's the sandbag or Atlas Stone. One of those two. They're just fun to lift. And when you have so the Atlas Stone, right? Those are the do you use the there's either a big concrete ball, yep. and in the actual uh, strongman events, they usually put it onto uh, some sort of platform, right? And the they put it onto a pedestal, or they could lift it over like a yoke or something, just like lifting it over an object, like over a bar. Ah, so those correct. are the two options that you have for like the stone. So it's from it's basically ground like ground to shoulder. Is, is uh, yeah, so, ground to chest, ground to shoulder, ground to, ground to waist height is sometimes like they just want to see the balls get bigger and bigger, so they change kind of heights according to that. 
and the um at the Spartan Games they had a version of this. Did you watch that? I did. I did. They were lifting rocks of varying weights onto a pedestal, and that's pretty much what you'll see in a strongman event. Pretty much the same thing. Would that be harder or easier? You think? Because that those stones? rocks, yeah, because the stone's smooth and and round, so it's like it's more symmetrical. So the the weight might be distributed evenly, but there's not like edges to really get your hand. Like so, what I found out, which I didn't know, apparently strongman use tacky. And this like super sticky tacky, like you just rub it on your hands and like if you slap a 25 pound plate, like that plate will stick to your hand. Like, that's how strong this tacky is. So they use tacky for those balls, which makes a lot of sense. Um, having odd object stones could be advantageous. It's more surface area. You might get a better grip on it. But then like you said, it's just weighted differently. So there's pros and cons. But at the Spartan Games, for me, listen, like that was that's an example of what that looks like, right? Exactly. Like just getting it up onto a platform. Yeah. They'll have five different weights, and then they'll just keep going from various heights. And it's not necessarily as simple as there's a stone, and and there's the Atlas stone, right, in the Spartan race. Uh, that is something that people will see, um, or like a dead ball. I think are in the stadiums now, hundred pound. Yep dead balls that people can pick, kind of pick up so there's definitely if it's light enough or in deca sorry i keep thinking of examples deca fit has a 60 <laughs> or 40 pound dead ball now they're not it's not that heavy right nope. so you just kind of pick that up and like scoop it up and drop it to the side exactly. and when and when you're able to do that many reps like 20 reps in like a 90 seconds we're kind of out of the frame of actual strongman training it doesn't necessarily seem to to hit the mark that i would want to hit when training strength i'd agree so going super heavy like you'd mentioned that 200 pound bag it takes a certain amount of form to move something like that uh so could you like the same way that you would have like certain steps in, in going through a clean could you take us through the steps on how to load a sandbag or load yeah, a stone? yeah um super simple and step one just have your feet close to the stone about uh you want like your center of the stone of the ball, like just draw a line in the center of the stone, and you want to step that like midfoot to that line. So the ball is right between your feet, and the closer you stand together, the better, because then you could lap it to your knees. If you're too wide, that ball's going to go right through your knees, and then you'll have to start all over again. So step mm-hmm. one, step midline of the stone. Step two, you want to lap your hands as much as you can underneath, so you splay your fingers as wide as you possibly can, and just continually shove your fingers together, almost trying to touch each other at the bottom. So getting, un- and like, Seems uncomfortable. So yeah, so imagine just making like the the Star Trek symbol with your hands and just get under that ball as much as you can. So that's step two. Step three was you be lock out your arms because you don't want bent biceps because that could tear a bicep. So you're just going to lock out and try to pull that sandbag or stone up to your knees. And once it's on your knees, that's your lap position. So when you have it lapped, step four would be just wrap your hands around the bag like you're going to bear hug it or you're going to have your hands... Think of like a big uh, clock and you're going to go over the top reaching for um, 11 and 1 o'clock. Hmm. Hmm. And then okay. from there, the last thing is just explode with the hips. You're going into a full triple extension, arching your back, trying to get that stone up onto like the top of your chest. And just to double back on like the lapping position. So when you're, you're whenever I've done this I'm, and, and pulling it up, it's a good cue on the straight elbows by the way like that's something that i might not think of because that just makes sense in terms of yeah not getting hurt and just like the way to kind of like leverage the ball um i kind of end up into a almost like 
full like ass to grass squat almost trying to get under the thing. Yep. Um, would you go that low or would you just need to kind of be parallel so that the, the ball does kind of, you're able to sit that ball onto like your lap? Yeah. So, I mean, I've done both before. I remember when I was on a wildfire, we got bored and we were stacking um, like 150 pound logs on top of each other, trying to rebuild a tree. Kind of. <laughs> so like on the last one, I was squatting ass to grass with that thing in my lap and that just felt awkward. And then there's other times where I'm in more of a hinge position, like a deadlift. And that seems to be my go-to for Atlas stone lifting. Um, both you more or not, um, more or less you'll see people squat ass to grass and then use that triple extension to stand. Cause that's like when, so like I think of it in terms of like a squat clean, right? And like catching the clean in the hole and using the stretch reflex to bounce out of the bottom. Yep. That's kind of how I do the same with the, the stone, but I will get stuck. Like I almost, I have a hard, <laughs> I, I get stuck at it, like maybe right at like where my hips need to get fully extended. I can kind of run out of juice there and it, and like, I can't quite get the ball like to the chest or to the shoulder. That's typically where I'll get I'll, I can get it in into that lap position m- most of the time, but like right. loading it is kind of where m- my position gets stuck. Is that common or is that is it different between for each person? <clears throat> so what I've heard is typically the hardest part of the lift would be that last part of that triple extension. Okay, good. Um, for me, with all my training, I've found lifting the stone off of the ground the actual hardest part because once i have it in my lap i know it's going onto the platform that i'm lifting to there's no doubt in my mind that i'm getting it to the platform out of sheer will or do you think it's just like the like what do you think in your training background allows you to to get out of that position is it because of like doing heavy cleans or like explosive movements Uh, or could be that i've done a lot of explosive movements in the past but honestly like i just recently found out that this is one of my better lifts that I could do, like I have no idea that I'm actually a good stone lifter and someone's like, wow, you could lift that much weight for weighing that much. Like you're one of the, among the top stone lifters. And in my <laughs> mind, like I had no idea. Like I was like, this is easy. If it gets to my knees, I could easily get that on the platform. So right. it's not much like I have done this so long that I could say what reason is or why it's so easy, why it's hard for this. Um, I just fell into this dumb luck and it's a good lift for me. Duke and lift the stone. So like in terms of the the load for lifting a stone or like rep ranges or time domains, where, yeah, because I was saying like the DecaFit thing, not really like not going to make it that much stronger. If CrossFit ever does like stone stuff, they're still doing it the same kind of way, right? It's like doing a bunch of reps and like an AMRAP or something. It's like yep. not really what we're trying to do here. Um what, but I do get confused on t- on like how much load is useful or recommended or what is going to progress the mo- the strongest in in these type of lifts just because it's just not it doesn't seem to be as studied as you know straight up hypertrophy or strength. We're right. like okay, if you want hypertrophy, it's eight to twenty. If it's under that, it's more like strength. The, or whatever. the biggest thing with like a lift like this, like there is technique involved. So the same reason is. An Olympic, Olympic lift, like they can be helpful to athletes, but if their technique is too much of a barrier to get into, there's no reason to put it inside their programming. Mm-hmm. Like if just somehow they liked lifting stones and they thought it was fun and they could get the technique down pretty good, 
then I would incorporate it into a runner's or an athlete's programming. Other than that, like there's too much technique involved to get benefit from lifting a stone into a program. Do you think it's more or less than like a clean? I think there's less technique involved than a Olympic clean in my mind. So there's a little less. You think it's less than clean? Yeah. Really? Because um, I mean, clean. There's so much to go on in this super fast movement. You're saying the clean. There's more. More yeah. like. Yes. Okay. It's easier to like the the. It's easier to learn how to do a stone. Absolutely. In okay. My mind. Cool. Gotcha. Yeah. I, I think so too. And like the snatch. And I totally agree with what you're where you're going with that. It's like. Yeah, I mean, like, if you want to learn how to do the clean and the snatch, like, maybe, but it's going to take forever, and you're going to have to go super light just to get the technique down. You're going to need to spend, like, 12 to 16 weeks just learning how to do it, and you're still going to be terrible at it, and then maybe you can start loading things up. So Um, here's here's my takeaway for athletes trying to incorporate, like, at least this lift for their programming. It's it's fun, it's gratifying, and it's just a change of pace, so if you're going to do this right away – If you're going to work on technique, that's great. So I think the beginning aspect of it, it will be good in terms of building a solid core strength and more spine strength in terms of programming. If you get better at it, then you can use that explosive training um, in that capacity. So I think the first avenue athletes could bring it in just would be core strength and back strengthening. Second avenue could be that explosive part. Would you do like one load? Like would it be like five sets of one load? It depends like, on where you're at in your programming. Like I got two athletes right now that are getting ready. They're two weeks out of a race, so I would keep their intensity super high and their volume very low. Um, so I might give them like a heavy stone if they could lift a stone. I'd give them the heavy stone to lift and have, say have fun with it and just do like one rep, two reps, and then take a lot of rest and do it again. Right. Okay, cool. That makes sense. Um, anything else about the stone? Do we miss anything? Um, that's pretty much it. I mean, the whole reason I started lifting stones is because my brother's doing this event. He does it every single year, 4th of July. It's the 150-pound sandbag over the shoulder for every year America's been free. So this year's 245 (laughs) reps, and I'm flying out to San Diego with him because 10,000 Gear is sponsoring it. So um, that's where I've been training for the last 14 weeks, and I found out I can lift a heavy Atlas stone because of this training. Like I just wanted to increase my max on the Atlas stone because that will help me with the 245 reps. And somehow I found out that I could lift more than most of the strongmen pound for pound. So, I can yeah, lift like... all of it more. <laughs> I can lift more than all of the strongmen. <laughs> yeah. Cause it's like speed training for like a distance event, right? Getting, getting yeah. your max up. What's how heavy can you do a stone? So I lifted a stone of steel, which is harder than an Atlas stone, apparently. I lifted 1.8 times my body weight. The heaviest Atlas stone ever lifted, and this was a concrete one, was 634 pounds or something close to that. And that was by Tom Stottleman, and he weighs 385 pounds. So he only lifted like 1.6 times his body weight. So on Monday, I'm going into Denver to lift a 400-pound stone. So I could say I'm the only one who lifted two times their body weight. It has never been recorded? Uh, not that I know of. Yeah, we need to make sure like the and there's definitely no runners out there going to be able to do like a 240 pound. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so uh, two times the body weight. That's what I'm going for. I think that'd be a super fun feat of strength. That's super sweet. Didn't didn't Shaw just do something? I thought at like one of the invitationals, like at the Arnold or the Rogue. Uh, two years ago, I think he made the um, 
two years ago, I think he lifted the heaviest Atlas stone, but he's been beaten by Tom Solomon. So the current weight is 634, unless that gets beaten this weekend. 634, just the diameter of that thing. How big is it? Like, how do you... And like, uh, <laughs> was it was it Shaw or was it Hapthor? It was Shaw, right? No, this was uh, Tom Stottleman that lifted. Oh, I'm sorry. Because yeah, I was thinking like, uh, well, Shaw is like six eight. How tall is this dude? Uh, he's close to that size. Like he's a six. He's a tall son of a bitch. And like, like, like you said, if you're weighing three eighty four, just like at a natural strong man like size and stature, that's pretty massive. Very very massive. <laughs> All right. Well, they can't do. D- double the body weight so that sucks for them yes <laughs> um how long does that event take to get that the uh america birthday event how long is that take? Uh, i'm shooting for 40 minutes or under 40 minutes so my plan is to do like an imam style like i'm trying to do six maybe seven reps every minute on the minute 150 is not light no i it's mean not. it's light it's light when you can do that much when you could do uh as much as you could do, but it's not light. <laughs> so my secret to training is, and I got, this is a total clickbait article, but it was a better than steroids um, <laughs> method. You're like, oh shit, got to check this out. Yeah, so this <laughs> was, uh, so Stanford University did a study, and originally they wanted to find a way to rewarm patients post-surgery. So what they did was they created this glove, and they now use it for their athletes, because what they found was their glove, they could cycle through cold air, and it has a little bit of a suction effect. So I've, heard using, about, I've heard this. Yeah, so they're using cold air, and since we have less resistive capillaries in the hands, the forehead, and the feet, they're putting this glove on athletes to cool them during sets of strength. And they're finding out that because uh, the AMPK doesn't overheat and just downregulates all of muscle activity it can continually perform at the same levels it has been so you're able to pretty much increase uh endurance of whatever you're doing and that's one there's way to been, get stronger there's been like evidence of people doing what, what it was like chin-ups and dips or something right so they were I, doing I thought... pull-ups with this glove and they found out that this one guy started off at like 180 pull-ups and a few the next time he did it, he did like 680 pull-ups. <laughs> it was like exponential. He, he was, was just able to keep the same amount of endurance going for the entire set. Dude, that dude must have been lit the next day. So, <laughs> His lats must have been, he must have been flying. That was so, um, yeah, so we've been, we don't have access to a $3,000 glove, so we just no. use a bucket of cold water. And you don't want <laughs> the water too cold because then it has the opposite effect. All the veins, vasoconstrict, and then you're just shunting blood away to your core. Interesting. So it has to be right, a nice right, level right, right. of like, okay, this is cold, but not too cold, and these veins are still going to dilate and get, um, bring the core temperature down. What kind of temperature are you going to aim for on that? Are you going to like just cold, like tap just, water, uh, just cold tap water, cold tap water. I've been doing so that, that for like the last two weeks, and it's been pretty awesome. Does it work? Yeah. So I came back from, um, I ran four miles today in like a hundred degree heat, and hand in the bucket, five minutes, I was fine. Usually it's like fifteen minutes of sweating a pool. <laughs> Oh, so you actually felt cooler too? Yeah, I was. Sto- I stopped sweating like uh, pretty quickly. Wow, that's interesting. I could I could use something like that. So yeah, you need to get some of those gloves. Ten thousand doesn't make those gloves. Yeah, I wish they did. <laughs> they should make those gloves. Do you have some of that gear? I was I was I was on their website the other day, and then and now I'm getting all sorts of targeted ads. Are the shorts nice. good? I, I like the shorts. I mean, I thought bird dogs were better because the compression on the inside wasn't as tight. Like these compressions are pretty tight. Which now, since I've been wearing them for a while, I don't mind, and I like them. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so my brother gave me a 
nine pairs of free shorts and I love them. Sweet. <laughs> yeah, I was on. The, I would get the ones without the liner. I don't like those boxer brief type liners. Oh, I love shorts like that. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm throwback the runner shorts where it's like all brief. Right. Like all the way, like bikini brief. That's that's my kind of line. So they started like making uh, super skinny. Um, I think they're like five inch shorts. So nice. I saw. I saw. Okay. They they have them without the liner. So I might have to cop some of yeah, those. Yeah, yeah. Um. So let's talk about the yoke carry. The this is something that I've been playing around with a little bit as well. Just in terms of kind of like prepare. So I'm doing like these high rocks events, and and now I'm kind of getting into the competition part of it. If I was doing squats, like high volume squats. Um, it just kind of beats me up really bad, right? Yep. So I was like, if I can just reduce my range of motion, still get a heavy, heavy load and just kind of uh, practice like getting strong, moving heavy weight without needing to just do a sled push over and over and the squat, which I feel like has translated fairly well, I just didn't want to do that much eccentric loading this close to competition. So I was like, let's play with the yoke. Um, I was trying to, in my brain, trying to work out how to explain the yoke, but I, so I'm going to let you do it. Um, so yeah, yoke, if you think of, geez, how would you explain that thing? Um, pretty much <laughs> you have a squat rack on your back. That's it, pretty and, much what it looks like and what it feels like. And you'll go to gyms and there will be squat racks that are yokes right. and people probably have no idea that they're, they're actually an implement to, for strength. Um, so yeah, there, there are squat racks and like you load the weight at the bottom, like there's four, uh, posts at the bottom where you can load your weights uh, so you can be evenly distributed and then it's a big thick bar that you can adjust to go across your back and so basically you just pick it up uh, you're only lifting it a couple of inches just to get that weight off the ground so you can walk with it and then you just kind of move through yep. through space with it um the yoke itself weighs 180 pounds the the rogue one I looked yeah they, i mean they vary like titan makes ones 166 rogue has ones of like three different heights so they're around like 166 to like 220 i think and 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 this might be what like when they do the strongmen do like the like carry like a refrigerator on their back or something like that this is kind of where they would train <laughs> like a, pro- a proper implement to train something like that right absolutely you're just compressing the spine so much that you have to stabilize and now you're walking you have all your load on one leg now at some points during the movement so it's pretty incredible yeah do you play around with these much uh yeah i love the yoke walk i have the record on uh, my weight class in the yoke walk at the gym <laughs> Are you serious? <laughs> uh, six, 666 pounds. I could have done more, but I'm like, you know what? 666 is a cool number. So until someone beats it, I'll put up more weight. <laughs> what? Um, so yes. So you can do a lot. Like the, the, and when you, when you load up even just the, I was trying to think of how it felt pound for pound versus like a back squat. Like if I had a barbell with 185 pounds on it, would it feel the same as this yoke? And the yoke, I think feels a little bit lighter than that just because of where the weight is dispersed, like down near my feet i suppose i'm actually not sure it just that might just be something that i'm making up but um so loading this thing up when in like for your gym how far do you have to carry it for it to count uh so our gym record is they do 10 yards increments 10 yards okay got it and how long did that take to walk uh probably uh, somewhere in between 20 30 seconds could have been more than 30 seconds let's say 20 That'd be a long 10 yards, 30 seconds. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah. Real, little baby steps. Um, so when you're training for something like this, uh, like same kind of thing, it's like you kind of go off distance and just kind of loading up and seeing how things feel. When do you know it's like, do, is it too heavy when you just can't take a step with it? Or can you 
will you not be able to kind of get it off the ground? Like, what have you found? Uh, so yeah, if you if you're struggling to like, or you're really hesitating to take a step, it might be too heavy. Because you yeah. you could easily get some stuff off the ground and just hold it. Because that's one part of progression. If you can't move the weight, you could just load it and just stay stagnant, brace that core in that position, and that's good enough. Even if you don't have a yoke, you could use a barbell and like front load the barbell or back load the barbell and just stand, hold it for 20, 30 seconds. Can you just like pretty much swallow that force and be able to hold it? That's actually a strategy some people do for for their squats, right? They'll overload the barbell and just yeah. do and then people just... overload the barbell by like. 20%, 30% over their max and just hold that for like 20 seconds and then be super primed and ready to lift. Yeah, and I'll take the weight off and then I'll do it. Have you ever, I've never tried that. I don't think I've, I, I don't... I've, uh, I've super loaded my front max or front squat like over like 30% and <sighs> lifted and just held it for like 20, 30 seconds at a time. I never squatted right afterwards, but like it was a great core workout. I'm sure the front load probably is brutal to hang there. It's probably like scary. Yeah. I hope this thing, stay, <laughs> I hope this thing stays up. Um, and for the for the yoke when you're doing it, would you do it similar to that? Like how much it'd be too much? Would you say ten, uh, like ten yards, ten meters, or whatever is an appropriate um, distance to, to carry the thing, or would it be how you, how you kind of mentioned you were doing for the sandbag loading? Totally, where it totally depends on what you're doing. If you're looking for a good core workout, a longer distance would be more beneficial with maybe a little bit of less weight. If you're looking for a good leg workout add on more weight and takes, you know, shorter steps and then you're loading that one leg at a time. So, so, so like what you've said, you've been using it for high rocks and say like you're doing a sled push. I, yeah. Load it heavy, do those walks, <clears throat> then take some load off and work on core strength. Um, mm. I think are both the best worlds. That's interesting. That's a, that's a good point. What about someone who is in a typical obstacle course race? And I mean, like it might be overkill for a bucket carry, but can't be too strong how strong right. is too strong doesn't exist again you so want like, a strong core and building a strong spine is a great way to do that what would you would you have would you do both things like loaded super heavy doing short distances or would you say if like say an obstacle athlete is going to do this for i don't know six weeks or something like that right. would you have them still do both or would you have them kind of do lighter and work in like that 45 to 60 second uh, time frame with that. If they're doing like a six week programming, like definitely in the first two weeks, I would say <clears throat> do more volume of it. So lighter weight, work on that core strength. You got two weeks to work on that. Then the last two weeks, just focus on heavier weights, shorter distance. Um, and that would prep you for your race more too, because then you're just building stronger legs. Got it. Yeah, I like that. Uh, how much, is, how often would be too often for the yoke? Like how often would you do that in, in your programming? <clears throat> Talking to a runner, never. Let's just heavyweights just do more. <laughs> yeah. Um, like how many times a week would you think? Uh, I mean, I don't. So I don't yoke. The last time I yoked uh, has it has been too long. It's a movement that I love to do, but I don't do it that often. I wish I did. It it's more. just it takes forever to set up. <laughs> it takes so long. Unless you're like wheeling the weights over there, you gotta just grab all right. the weights and put them on. Um, things it takes forever. It's a super beneficial movement. I would at least try to get it in once a week. Um, if not once every other week, um, there's no problem doing it more than once a week. Like doing it twice a week would be great. Just switching it up from like a core workout to one more of a leg dominant workout. Cause you would imagine it would be nervous system fatigue that would catch you on something like this. Cause it's really not, did you feel sore after your 600 plus pound or was it just like over and you're like, whew, um, that sucked. So that's the thing. I could have done more. So I didn't really tax too much. 
because I, like I said, I wanted to stop at six six six. It's a fun cool number. But yeah, no, I mean, it's definitely more nervous system taxing unless you're just doing a lot of volume for core strength. Like for core, I love to do farmer carries, single arm farmer carries, overhead carries, and throwing in the yoke into that would be absolutely phenomenal. So let's talk about the farmer carries since you brought that up because I had that on my list as well. Um, and these are things that we will see. They're in high rocks. It's in DecaFit. It's, you know, they're in Spartan races from time to time. So they're within the bounds of the competition. But for the sake of these competition, the weight's still pretty light. Even high rocks, it's like right. your uh, the men's weight for pro. It's it's like a two poo, so seventy two pounds in each hand. So I mean, it is it's light for a farmer carry, but they make you do a hundred meters. Of it, so that's pretty good. Two hundred meters. Oh, two hundred right? meters. Yeah, yeah. 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 So, so it's, it's super long. It's a lot of volume for that, right? So like the load ends up being a lot. But for like an actual farmer walk, it's not that much the way that we're kind of talking about like, a right. carry or yeah because i would do a 32 as a single arm carry right right exactly um so do you and like probably the most effective way to use this is with the actual farmer's handles that are a little bit thicker right and you can kind of load weight onto as opposed to kettlebells which would be hard to like you're just gonna run out of weight right you, <laughs> like it's, it's like hard to get it's hard to get your hand like if you have two if you have like Two kettlebells that are over like 150 pounds, like that's insane. <laughs> like that's come, pretty crazy to have. Come two to of the those. dojo. <laughs> do you have, what? How heavy do your kettlebells go? Uh, unfortunately, actually, I do need to get a 150. But right now, right now, all I have is a 56 kilo bell. So that's mm. 126. You swing it? Of course, I swing it. I squat it. I turn it up. It. I can't snatch Ooh. it. I can clean and press <laughs> it, and I could bent press it. So I'm pretty proud of that. You can get up with it. That's oh yeah, solid. that's easy. That's come on. That's light work. That's light work. Man, um, so I, have you seen? Well, at the CrossFit Games, there was that one year where they had the the two like double kettlebell deadlifts. Oh, and Farmer walked like, with them too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. They were I like 200, 200 each, right? Yep. <laughs> <laughs> this is insanity. Um, that's kind of ends up being what like a heavy farmer's farmer's carry is. Like it's essentially yep. it's a really heavy. It's a pretty heavy heavy deadlift, and like you could. Pro- do you, you could probably even lift more in a single, like if you loaded up a farmer's walk, like those farmer's handles, uh, you could, I would imagine you could stand up with more than your actual deadlift. Yeah, because, uh, so if you're doing trap bar like walks, yeah, absolutely. If they're single arm like farmer handles, might be a little bit harder just because the weight's dispersed and now you're also focusing on, on your core. But you, you might be able to. I don't want a trap bar, absolutely. Uh, should be. Able I to. feel like the handles are the handles higher on the farmers walk ones than they are. Than oh like yeah, the so that, that also makes it easier. Yeah. Well, the trap bar good. does have some lift to it as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and then just picking up and, and and doing it. So the single arm one is an interesting route to go. So why would you do single? Uh, so instead of just working on like your erector strength and core strength and your spine stability, staying straight in one line, now you're working your obliques as well. So it's almost right. like an anti-rotation movement. You're trying to stay as perfectly still as you can without rotating. Huh. If you were to do a single arm, because uh, I haven't loaded up a really heavy single arm, will you keep the same type of weight or will it just, like if the, does the, the counterbalance just kind of throw it all out of whack and like it's hard to lift a really heavy single? It's it's pretty hard to lift a single arm heavy, but I mean, I'd still try. Like I've always grabbed my, I've grabbed a 48, I think I'll go heavy. 
with my single arm carries and that, I mean, that's stupid heavy, but it's one thing to try to stay as tall as you can because almost always you're going to lean away uh, from the kettlebell and mm-hmm. you have to force yourself to just like contract that oblique and stay as straight up as possible. Right. Cause you'll want to overcompensate. So you're over, you're bent all the way to so the side. So this is another and... thing of like, okay, farmer carries are good. They have more than one aspect of just the sagittal plane because you'll get some sway. But now when you go for that single arm, it's completely, you're working the frontal plane now. And there's going to be this aspect of rotational, uh, transitional plane as well, because you're walking with it. Right. Which would be really effective for, uh, like trail running, right? right. For example, like, like walking with like this counterbalance, like not in hand, like on trail running, uneven trails where you're constantly needing to, to use your core to stay upright more or less. Um, what do you prefer? Do you prefer singles or doubles? Uh, I mean, at my home gym, I do a lot of singles because, like you said, yeah, I don't have that super heavy weight. I don't even have farmer handles yet, so I need to get some farmer handles. Get some at farmer the gym, handles. gym, we have farmer handles, so I love to go heavy on those. Mm. Um, and uh, is it the same type of thing as the yoke where you'll mix the uh, amount of load and volume? Or are you trying to pick it up as heavy as you can and walk as far as you can? in one shot yeah it's definitely uh the mixed balance of like all right what's the goal of this exercise today so if it's more core work i probably go lighter longer distances if it's really i want to hammer leg strength and grip strength it's gonna go heavy what do you think would be more advantageous for uh, an obstacle course race athlete get used um, to lift if, heavy <laughs> yeah yeah it's, i'm always gonna say that <laughs> heavy um but but it's true right because i mean we look at these as kind of endurance endeavors and we're like in decafit they're like 60 pound dumbbells or something like that that you're like running with right and like it ends up being more of like a speed thing and like a, a bit more of like that endurance so I, I feel like if we're training it in the gym we're going to do the same type of thing we're just going to try to go as long as we can and try to get that grip burn as opposed to really uh, training our grip to, to get that real raw like crush grip strength to, mm-hmm. that we have to use on those fat grips to lift as heavy as possible. So you push people toward heavier? Uh, I always try to get people to lift heavier because it's going to make the – if your absolute strength increases, that's going to mean your endurance is going to increase. Now whether you get to like, okay, <clears throat> I'm going to do like a 200 pounds in each hand, that's great. Is it going to help you more or less in that event? Because you could go 200 pounds in each hand. You could go 250 in each pound. At some point, there's going to be the limiting of return. But In terms of uh, the recovery or just how, long, how much you can do? How much that's going to help your sport. Okay. Like we keep going heavier and heavier in strongman, but at some point, it's just not going to help the sport itself. So in most cases, I'm going to tell OCR athletes to always lift as heavy as you can because they're not doing it as much. And it's almost a safe way to say, yeah, just lift heavier because I guarantee you're not going enough it's true like for someone who's not used to lifting heavy like you gotta learn what lifting heavy is mm-hmm. right like you gotta feel heavy weight because like yeah you know do some squats do some kettlebell swings or something like it, it's challenging but like to really lift heavy weight you kind of have to go there um how far is not far enough in a farmer's walk to like if you're picking it up <laughs> and you're only going a couple steps like when do you have to when do you have to pull pull back uh yeah man uh you know what i would almost say 10 yards even though that's like our record board like 10 yards is not far enough to get what you need of it for ocr yeah i would say so and this is interesting this is an interesting one because when you do look up like grip training right like if someone was just googling who is an ocr athlete and just started googling best ways to improve your grip uh they like farmers walks are going to come up 
you know, that's always one of the things that, that people, it's just like most straightforward, right. picking up things in your hands. Do you think it translates to grip strength in OCR where your hands are up over your head or even with like a, a rope pull or like if you're, if you're like having like, yeah, like climbing up a rope or like pulling the rope in a high rocks event where your grip is like vertical um, as opposed to like more of that horizontal uh, hold. Do you think it translates apples to apples or is it just like kind of a tertiary benefit to like monkey bars or something? It, in my mind, it'll translate over to like straight arm hangs or if you're doing like straight arm stuff, at any point you're doing like bent arm, like 90 degree holds with like the bicep, then it's like at that point, it's not the grip that's relevant. It's more of upper body hold at that point. And yeah, I mean, I, there's some help. I don't think it helps that much. I think you're right. And that's a good point too, like the straight arm where it's more like hand and finger strength. Um, but yeah, if you're doing it to, to like climb a rope, probably not. Right. Right. Um, interesting. Just want to throw that out there because it is helpful for your grip, but it's probably only helpful. Like I would say like this doing farmer's walks will be more advantageous for your carries than for your grip strength. Right. Would you say so? I would, yeah, I would agree with that. Yeah. Um, want to talk about a tire flip? Ooh, the tire flip. <laughs> I know you flip. I know you got like some big ass tires. So I have, I was told it was a 700 pound tire. So I go pick it up. I need like at least three <laughs> friends to help me load it into a flatbed trailer. Actually, I loaded into Kempson's uh, truck at first, and I'm like, "This is so unsafe. I'm coming back to get a flatbed." <laughs> it was that. It was like, "No, no, like it we can't like, just bring my buddy's truck like, over here." <laughs> it just did not work. So I'm like, "Okay, I'm gonna come back with a flatbed trailer, and we'll load it that way." And so I, I got home. I couldn't lift it out of the flatbed. I'm like, "This is weird." And I got a friend, luckily that was free, to help me get it out of the trailer so I can return this thing. Cause I only had an hour of rental on it. <laughs> um, but I get home like, and I can't lift this thing for anything. And I'm like, I lifted a 650 pound tire not long ago in an Epic series. That was the race I was talking about earlier with the strong man. Um, so I lifted that. I'm like, this should be easy. I look up the tire online and find out lo and behold, it's 1100 pounds. 1100 like, pounds. This bastard told me it was 700 pounds. He just wanted to get rid of it. He's like, I don't know. 700 yeah so i still have yet to flip it the closest i've gotten to flipping it was i got it onto my chest and it's so tall that even though it's at my chest it's like all the weight is just down onto me and i still like i would have to like double arm overhead press just to get vertical oh my god you would have so, to go overhead i mean i guess and that i was thinking that same thing it's probably so tall it's probably like a pretty tall box jump yeah it's <laughs> yeah no if it was on its side a box jump would be 24 inch at box jump. it's so wide uh so what do you do with it you just like hit it with a hammer or like you just like so, yeah, so like, now one lift- day one day i'll get you <laughs> whenever like someone comes into town like we'll roll it out on the side and i'll try and be humbled by it every single time <laughs> so then that workout we'll hit it with ty- uh, uh, sledgehammer and that's it i need to get rid of it to be honest <laughs> you gotta ever you gotta like get somebody like you you gotta lie to somebody right like, ah, rent a flatbed it's you should even you have to like, rent a flatbed for them um so when, when, when training for these things, cause the, the weight of these, it's hard to like wrap my head around what it means to, to lift these tires. And the, so the, the, to me, the, this is almost very similar to like an Atlas stone lift or a sandbag carry lift and why like, okay, let's say Ryan Atkins can deadlift 225 cause he did that in the Spartan games, but he can't lift the 400 pound tire during race day sometimes. 
it is just a different lift. You have to get fully bent over and compress into that tire. Is is there uh, like an equation to understand like how heavy a tire is compared to a deadlift? Like, does a four hundred pound tire equal a two hundred fifty pound deadlift? Or like, because it's not you're not lifting. 400 pounds off the ground, right? Before I had this tire in my backyard, I would say yes, there's a formula, but every tire is different now that I see. So the larger (laughs) the tire, the bigger the diameter, the different it's going to be to lift it. So it's it's hard to say that there's a formula out there. Compared to the Spartan tires, yeah, I think if you could lift a 225 deadlift, you should be able to lift that 400-pound tire. Yeah, and that tire is that tire is weird because of the tread and like the ground that it's on, right? Right. Like if you can get under that tire, like you'll probably have no problem. Even if you could just deadlift two twenty five, I think you're right. So what is the what is the form? What does proper form look like? You mentioned the compression piece. Uh, like, take us through the form for a tire because I see you know same deal. Like I hear people like popping biceps. You hear just like you see some. You see it sometimes, and you're just like, hmm, it doesn't look quite right. So the best way to pop a bicep is, like I said, if you're going into a lift and your arms are bent at, like, 90 degrees, like, what's going to be stronger, your legs or your biceps? So your legs are going to force up, and your biceps just going to give, and that's where that injury can occur. Um, so you want to get on that tire, and the straighter your arms are, the better it is for your lift because you'll get into a more advantageous lift. Versus if you're getting lower and your biceps are now compressed, like you're in a weird position. I don't know how you'd lift in that position, but people try. So when um, you think about that, like trying to get under the tire, it would be hard. It feels like because like the further your hands would go under it, the harder it would be to get like straight arms, depending on your wrist mobility. Am I making this up? Because if you if you're like all the way under it, like a finger, if it was just like the, like a shelf of your fingertips, it'd be easy to get your elbows straight. Right. But if you were kind of like all the way under, like trying to get your whole hand under there, it probably would be harder. To me, like even just doing this right now, it kind of feels harder. So the thing between like, I mean, it's, it's obviously way different than a deadlift because a deadlift, you're standing, coming up to a vertical position. With the tire, you want to stay compressed into the tire. So you're almost leaning into it. And every so often that it's coming off the ground inch by inch, you're you're trying to step closer and closer to that tire to reduce the amount of space between you and that tire. So when it gets past your knees, you should almost be walking into that tire, getting closer and closer and closer to it. Interesting. So it should be, it should be, as it's going up, you're moving forward. You're moving into it. And you'll move your feet into it. Oh, absolutely. You just slide. You like kind of slide. <clears throat> One of the in great. Of- um, I don't know the football player's name. JJ watts or i don't know whoever was on the steelers and has all of like workout videos like, on instagram like tj there's tj watt energy i think tj's on the steelers but yeah so whenever he like he posts a thousand pound sled pushes all the time he posts a thousand pound tires on the time you could watch him and he's just chopping his feet as he's lifting this tire it's incredible so it's hmm. this continuous like chopping feet and deadlifting to get into this tire as opposed to like a lift and then like because that's what you'll see, right? Yeah. People kind of push into it, the position's right to start, and then they lift it, and then it's their whole back, like the, from the upper back all the way down, is all like rounded, right. and it's and it looks like all yeah. back. So at if that you point. lift that um, tire and you're staying in one stagnant position, as soon as the tire's past your knees, that tire is at least four to six inches away from you, and now it's insanely heavier because now it's further away from you. And that's where this bicep problems can come into play because now you're trying to lift it through your arms and that's never going to work out. So if you just get closer to it now, your chest is into it, you can start to press it or push it forward. 
um, <clears throat> chopping your feet the whole time. That's interesting. Yeah, it was incredible watching his videos. That's a good one to look at. And with the Spartan tire, that's not necessarily that heavy. What, would you still recommend to always do that same type of form, like chopping your feet, getting closer so to you it? You might not have to chop your feet as much, but you're definitely trying to get into the tire space. So it should be forward and up, right? Not yeah. just up. Got it. Because I think that's where it gets lost, right? People are like just trying to flip it over, and you need to kind of push into it and, and right. over. Huh. Yeah, I don't know. Do you see people at Spartan races screwing it up? Like, how would you... <clears throat> I mean, um, I definitely see people that just can't lift the tire, and it's it's so frustrating when you can't lift that tire, because I'm like, ah, oh, it's only 400 pounds, super light for, like, a men's tire. <clears throat> it just gets all wet, and it is, the, it is the ground. It ends up being more of a grip thing. So what if that is the limiter, right? Like, is there... What can you do? Is there anything you could do? Because it's, like, that... That tire in particular, it like is almost flush on the on the grass. So the lugs right. are are like you don't get much space from the ground, and like where the lugs are, they're almost it's almost flat all the way across the bottom. I mean, I have seen people that just squeeze the lug itself and still be able to lift it. That is possible. That's really good for drier conditions. Like you can do that at like at Tahoe, it's no problem. They lay that on concrete actually, but yeah, you can squeeze it and you can lift it because it really just isn't that but, heavy. But then I always see people like, can you just dig underneath the tire and like create a hole and then put your hands there? Like I always think about that. I'm like, why are, why is no one trying that? I've definitely done that. It just takes <laughs> okay. forever. I was like picking at it. just like picking it away. It's like, come on, just trying to scrape it out of there. Um, Dog training. Yeah, that's right. Um, what other, so we covered some of the, some of the really uh, practical ones that will really help. And like I said, like, I think a lot of this is going to help people's being able to move, uh, like carries, right. Moving the heavy objects through space and, and still being able to kind of brace their core and just be confident with that. What are, are there anything else that you like to use or you would recommend people to, to do, uh, who are training for OCR, or these like hybrid races? Absolutely. Uh, there's three movements that I like to do and then kind of strongman training, not strongman training, um, but like there's three movements that I do a lot are Zercher anything. Like I'll do Zercher lunges. I'll do Zercher deadlifts. I'll do Zercher squats. Like Zercher anything will help out your running because it's building stronger erector spine and you're getting more bang out of your buck just doing another movement you'd normally do in the gym. And that's just moving the weight from like your back rack or front rack and putting it into like the pits of your elbows, right? Yep. So it just like moves it away from your center of gravity. And uh, pro tip, uh, it's super painful using a barbell, so use an axle bar or get fat grips and put the fat grips there and then grab the fat grips with your elbow pits. That's what I do. The so, dojo have an axle bar? I don't have an axle bar yet, so I use the fat grips. You yeah. use the fat grips, yeah. <laughs> I, I have like, I've had like the fat grips in like my Amazon cart for like a decade. I'm like, I'm going to get these. <laughs> I just never get them. I don't know why. Um, but yeah, even if you have like the, pa- like the pad. The barbell your- pad helps too, yeah if you can get that when this thing is actually tricky for uh to like get the position if you don't have a rack like a lot of COVID, i didn't have any type of rack but i still wanted to do zercher so i just like i kind of was doing it the way that we talked about loading a stone like i dead essentially sumo deadlift it to my yeah lap. so a zercher deadlift that's great uh is that what you mean by zercher deadlift yep that's a zercher just grab it in the elbow pits and deadlift up Oh, no, no, I wasn't doing that because if it got too heavy, I couldn't do it. <laughs> <laughs> so I'd like deadlift it with my hands and then place it on oh, my Oh, okay, yeah, so I got And then you get under it to lap it and then and then kind of, and then put it in the pit. That's a good way to do it. <laughs> Zercher, how, 
Could you can you search your deadlift as much as you can search your squat? Uh, no, I don't search your deadlift that much. It's more of like when I I have like strict like spine days, and during those spine days, I'm just loading my like I'll do Jefferson curls and load them up and just move my make sure my spine can segment through each single space, and then also have that strength to come back up and go into um, what's the term I'm looking for uh, extension. Jefferson curls are the bomb. Can we talk about that real quick? Oh yeah, absolutely. That's the third. That's the second movement I was gonna say. Oh, perfect. Then we don't. <laughs> we could talk about Zercher a little bit more because, um, but yeah, squats, uh, deadlifts, back lunges. Um, I think that one of the, my favorite movements I've been programming for all my athletes and for myself is deficit reverse lunges with the Zercher. All right. By far, yeah. like you can deload your spine normally than like to fifty percent less than what you would for a back squat. And you're getting the bonus out of the bonus of that lengthened position for the quads, and now you're also strengthening your erectors as well with that searcher. Like it's a phenomenal movement. That is just money for OCR. Yeah, oh, single yeah. leg, like awkward. That's a really good one. Typically, when I'm doing searcher stuff or programming searcher stuff, I put it in like the usually like eight to twelve rep range. Um, what, just because of the discomfort, like when all it gets right. really heavy. Uh, and, and for no other reason besides that, do, are you using all different rep ranges with that? Are you kind of, uh, yeah. So when I brought, so I can talk about Becca's programming. I first made her do Zercher's with like a higher rep range so she could get used to it. But then we had the axle bar. I'm like, you know what? There's no discomfort with this. So I made her do heavy, heavy weights, um, split stance lunges. And I made her do reverse deficit lunges with the Zercher's like for heavy. I think she was doing, uh, four reps on each leg. Or three mm-hmm. reps on each leg. Like I was making her go heavy. And she was doing like 185 with the Zercher for her squats. It was awesome. Strong. The and Yeah, when you do those deficits or uh, for low sets and heavy weight, it just feels beastly. It just feels awesome to do like <laughs> as much as you can on one leg. Um, would you say it's 185? So she's probably doing more with that than she could probably do with a, with a dumbbell or kettlebells. Uh, yeah. Right. You could load that up even a little bit. You load that up more. Very cool. I like that. All right. So yeah. So you, so there's no limiter really based on just about how, how comfortable you feel with it. Right. Yeah. If you get comfortable with it and realize that at some point the pain is not going to get worse, then that's what I think about that thing. It's like, it's just like pinches. It's not like, it's it's not like, it's not like my elbows are going to But then when you realize like, okay, this is as bad as it's going to get, I'll keep going. That's kind of the thing with those. It'd be like, oh, it hurts so bad. It's like, uh, yeah, but it's not like like when when things hurt when you're doing, uh, I don't know, say if you're doing like squats and like your hips start to hurt or something like that, it feels like something might explode or you're going to get injured. Your elbows, I don't think, are going to like right. break. <laughs> it just like is annoying. Exactly. Um, okay, cool. Let's talk about Jefferson Curl. <clears throat> Jefferson Curls. Love it. So people who don't know what Jefferson Curl, Jefferson Curl is – you are holding a weight. Yeah, I love to bear hug a weight, but you can also just hold a weight at down like you normally would for a deadlift, and you are not hinging like you would a deadlift. You are segmenting your spine into flexion, uh, vertebrae by vertebrae. So you start at your head, start to look down, and then from vertebrae to vertebrae, you continue that flexion and trying to compress everything and going as low as you possibly can. So typically, where people might be familiar with this type of segmenting of the spine would potentially be in like yoga. A lot of times when we're returning back to 
uh, like mountain pose, you would say, uh, it would be, you would come up one vertebrae at a time as you stack all the way right. up to the top. It's just kind of like throwing that in reverse. Right. Any and it's reason? good to see because then you'll find out, okay, can I move vertebrae by vertebrae or is there a chunking happening where I might be, okay, this is vertebrae, vertebrae. There's like four vertebrae in a row that just chunk together and I can't separate. <laughs> Cause it's a slow movement. Like it's the, a slow movement. Like getting all the way to like, I don't know four to five, five seconds it probably takes to get down. I mean, I've never counted. Yeah, I've, I've done like eight, 10 seconds. And on some days it's so painful because like my ab will start cramping. I'll be like, all right, this is going to suck and just compress even more and have that ab cramp more and more and more. <laughs> He'll cramp on the way down or pulling it back up? On the way down. So yeah, I'm going down, down. I'm like, great, this is awesome. I'm going to deal with this right now. And when I come back up, I'll like stretch as much as I can. Because that's, that's where I feel like on the way back up, it does feel like I'm like a lot of suction back in through my abdominals to kind of stack things back up. I'll yeah. cramp on the way back up. Nice. Um, but it's really interesting to feel that's like, oh, wow, this is all up in my core yeah. too. Anyone who knows an ab cramp is so bad. <laughs> <laughs> so that, that does feel like something is go- wrong is about to happen. Um, so I do, I, I usually elevate myself and will hold it at my like do like a kettlebell and hold it at like my shins yeah um any reason any any reason you put it on your chest or just personal preference uh so the reason i'll put it on my chest is it makes the extension or the like especially the thoracic spine a lot harder because now Uh your weight's up here so instead of having like sometimes i'll use a 32 kilogram kettlebell and go to the floor uh, on an elevated surface and come back up but with the it could be like a i think i used a 100 pound sandbag before Cool. And it feels exponentially heavier just to get those last few degrees of extension at the top. Interesting. That is Plus, true. now you're getting more compression at the bottom because you're bear hugging and squeezing this down. So it's one extra asset to use uh, that compressional force. Yeah, it definitely seems harder. Yeah, it's absolutely harder. Huh, I'll try it. I haven't tried it. And like, so you're going pretty heavy. Like I, th- I don't know if I've gone any heavier than a, a 53 kettlebell. And you don't have to go heavier. Like you could grab a 25 pound wall ball and use that same compressional force and see if you could segment. I'm going heavier because, like I said, like I'm doing 245 reps of a 150 pound sandbag soon, so I need to make sure my spine is strong and resilient and ready for that. Totally, totally. How and when? Typically, when I'll do these, I keep the volume pretty low as well, just because. Uh, it, it, it does take a long time. So I'll usually do like three sets of three or something like that. Right. Yeah. I don't think I've gone over the sets of like four reps before. Um, so I'm, I'm on right on there with you. I'll keep the volume low. It still takes like a minute to do that. Whole yeah. <laughs> it takes forever. Um, that's a great one. I would recommend that one for anybody who's just like sitting a lot even. You know, if you f- like, I'll do that if I like, if I'm feeling like sticky or injured like toward the route of injury like doing a jefferson curl is like my go-to almost no matter where i'm feeling pain awesome i'll just do it will you hang out at the bottom uh i'll take at the bottom i'll make sure i'll take a super deep breath and brace and then start my ascent with that big belly full of air (laughs) i haven't played with it but actually it'd be a good idea just like take a few deep breaths down there and then go so i might try that next workout (laughs) i think what the way i'm doing like where you're holding at your chest that has to be much more uncomfortable because at the bot when I'm hanging out at the bottom, the weight's essentially over my head. It's pretty passive. Right. So I would imagine being here would be much more uncomfortable. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I do them both ways. So, I mean, they're both like the same at the bottom. They feel kind of the same. <laughs> What's your third one? Uh, so this leads me right into the third exercise. Cause I love doing these back to back exercises together. I feel like it's a good way to fatigue the erector spine. So you're really getting into those deeper layers of the muscles 
Uh, so the next exercise I'll pair with that is reverse hyper. I absolutely Ooh. love the reverse hyper, and I'll make all my athletes do that because it's building a stronger posterior chain, especially for runners. You can crank up the volume um, on that so much. Good one. So the reverse hyper, the, the, there is a there is a way to do it, but there's also a specialized machine for yes. it, right? So do, do you have one? Of course. I got one in the dojo too. Got, got, got them in every room. Um, so just like explain what it looks, what it is. So imagine a, and then most people know what a GHD machine is. So imagine a GHD machine, but you're now going to go on this GHD machine with your stomach on the pad, holding onto the feet plates. So now you're kind of this inverted position than you'd normally be on it for doing abs. So you're holding onto the feet plates, you have your stomach on the pads, and now there's this pendulum below you, and you put your feet into like a strap, and now you're just extending almost like a dolphin would kick with this pendulum, and you're just going back and forth, um, kicking upwards. So essentially you're going to this full body extension at the top. And then as it returns, you, you allow the leg, your legs to, because it is a pendulum, it goes under the machine. Right. Two, so right? there's two ways of doing it. You can let that force take you, and <clears throat> you're getting less of a spinal decompression at that point. But you're able to do more and more volume and more extension that way. The other way is to s- control that weight as it comes back in. You don't want to control it fully, but you'll control it at least like 50, 70 percent. So the weight you won't see the weight return on the way back. Interesting. And that what will are... decompress the spine more. And you get that eccentric loading as well. Right. That's one thing I've kind of played around with because you can load it up super heavy if you're yep. not if you're just letting things swing. Um, and I was like, I don't think this can be right. So like, it's almost like you have to kind of put like so when you were you do the dolphin kick and as the weight is kind of pulling you back down, you're trying to resist it a little bit. You're, you're absolutely like trying to resist it. it a little bit because then you get that all that good stuff happens. You get the decompression forces in your spine. You're getting that eccentric loading. Um, phenomenal movement. So if you haven't tried that, actually controlling it on the way down, because you shouldn't be able to see the weight kick up in front of you as you're looking down. And then when it kick, if you're doing it and letting it go underneath you, like it's gonna swing back and it's gonna carry it right, like back into the air a little bit more. So you're not gonna get that full, uh, like range of motion or strength motion there. Right. Um, okay. Cool. Because I've thought about that. I was like, I've done it both ways, and it's definitely harder <laughs> to resist against it. Right. Um, this this is a that's a that's a really good one. What if we don't have a reverse hyper machine? Uh, it sucks to suck. Uh, get, yeah. <laughs> get on the GHD machine or get on a tall, super tall bench with just you want your hips off, so your spine can actually move into that flexion and extension position, and you could either hold a weight uh, between your legs like a dumbbell and right. just go into extension. You don't get that same pendulum like feeling, but at least you're going into extension and you're kind of letting the legs fall. That's a good way to do it. I've seen people try to do it banded, and that didn't make that much sense to me. You can't, uh, it's just hard. Banded would be good. I mean, you're not getting the full range, I guess, out of it because it's still going to be slack at some point. But I like that. Yeah. I mean, that's a good variation. Yeah. I was just like, I don't know if this makes sense. Like, I don't know how, like, practically, if it, it could. But you definitely need, like, something tall enough that you could go onto and your feet aren't going to hit the ground. Is there any way to do it from, like, a pull up bar? Like, I guess not, huh? Like, I was thinking just toaster bar, like reverse toaster bar. <laughs> yeah, can someone flip the gravity switch and we'll go reverse toaster bar? 
Um, that's a really good one though. And loading that one and the volume of it, cause you can do quite a bit, right? So you I kind would of absolutely those, increase a lot of volume for that. Like eight, 12, 15 reps, 20 or 25 reps, 30 reps, 40 reps. Um, we had one of our trainers in the gym try to find their like hundred rep max range. Oh my and like God. by the end of it, he was just, it was like his range of motion was so minimal, but he was getting into those deeper layers of like, um, spinal extension muscles. And it was like, awesome. Was he blasted? Was he definitely ruined? blasted? But I think it was good. He was working his spine that day, and that's what he had on the docket. So for him, like that workout and that specific exercise made sense. Yeah, totally. Um, that's interesting. I've never because I've usually kind of done. I haven't really played the volume as much on that. If I'm using but, the reverse hyper, like my goal is usually to at least get 100 reps in. So like if I'm doing 15 reps, okay. I'm making sure I'm at least making that 100 rep um, minimum. And that one, that's another one that I, it's, you're right. Like, that's a good one to couple with the Jefferson curl. It's, it feels almost restorative. Like, it doesn't, like, I feel better almost after it. You right, know, like yeah. Feeling... I mean, a lot of times my erectors would be super pumped. Like, those cords between my spine would just get pumped. And that's a great feeling because then I that's know I'm cool. exactly what I want. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's probably a cool feeling. Um, cool, man. Well, those are great ones. I appreciate all the insight on this and, uh, and like, making – Strong people, strong spines. Uh, and so you were telling me just a second ago that uh, you just got a career job. Uh, I got career. a career job with Thornton career. Fire Department. So, yeah. Dude, that's sweet. So you've been in this in process of um, – tell us about the process of this. Because like when we yeah. first started Chichan, I think you were just getting into it. So the past year and a half, I've been working with a volunteer agency uh, about five minutes away from my house. And I've been working like 96 hours for free uh, for like a month. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> so uh, it's been a fun time. It's been a great learning experience and it's almost like they prepared me to get ready to actually do this career job. And the career job process is like, you have to take a test, you have to interview. And I've interviewed with, um, like, I don't know, 14 different departments already. And the interview, interview is the hardest part. I was always the worst at interviewing, but these last two interviews I did were phenomenal because I've worked at it so much. And Thornton Fire Department, they ranked me two in the interview. And the hardest part about that was they grilled me the entire time in that interview. It was almost like an argument. They had one guy just staring at me, mean mugging me. <laughs> they had these scenarios where whatever way I answered it, they just argued with me. And he's like, really? You do, you do that? And it was... Wow. <laughs> just, just to see what it's like under pressure? Yeah, Is just to see think? like what they would you would do under pressure. And, you know, nothing is going to phase me. I'm ready for it, so... That's true. I mean, when you're con like, that was the worst part. I mean, I remember interviewing for jobs, like coming out of school and like, you have no experience. So I was just like bullshit and trying to say what I thought they wanted me to say. Cause I don't know. But that's like, the different thing with fire is they don't care what experience you have. They want you to pretty much tell us about yourself. They'll never ask you the question. Hey, tell us about yourself. They'll ask weird questions that you have to fill in anecdotal stories or something that's personable to you that they can connect with. So that's the difference between a job interview and a fire interview. We got to like live with these people essentially. Exactly. So they're really right. looking for like roommates that they can count on and trust in hairy situations. And that's, it's probably important to go in and, and just like be yourself in that. I mean, that's how you should probably do any job interview. It should be like a match. <laughs> right. But like, you know, you want the job they want, like they're looking for somebody. So they want it to be, you know, you just want You want it to get paid. But for that, like it's more of like making sure you like the people that you're going to be living with too, essentially. Absolutely. How close is that to home? Is it, is it nearby? Uh, Thornton, the closest station would probably be about 30 minute drive. That's not bad. But you have to understand people, like I would drive 90 minutes to the job because it's two days on, four days off. 
So oh. driving there once and then driving back for like 90 minutes is nothing. That's a good deal. Yeah. Um, when do you start, you said? So I started a pre-academy with them July 26th, and then I started academy. So it's my second fire academy I have to do August 9th. And what's that like? Is that a lot of, is that a lot of physical um, testing? Uh, it's a lot of physical testing. It's a lot of written testing. It's They're training you how to do the job and hmm. how to do it well. So it's like four days a week of 12-hour days, and there's PT involved, and then you're just doing fire, fun firefighter stuff. <laughs> fire stuff, man. Just getting ready to just knock them fires out. Well, dude, that's awesome. Yeah, dude, Congrats I'm on that. I'm, Thank I'm you. happy to hear that, man. And like that'll your fitness will probably just like get awesome. Uh, exactly. So, I mean, I'm always going to be fit for life, and the fact that I can have a job that – uh, needs those demands is perfect. Um, do you know Chris Woolley, the I Australian? Do. Yeah, I do. He, I'm actually gonna have him on next week. I think he's because he's oh nice a firefighter as well. Um, and he's he's look he's gearing up to do some like some record. He's looking to run a mile in the record. Yeah, I think he's trying to break the mile record. I'll challenge him anytime. Bring I just it did on. Murph in my full bunker gear. That was hell. <laughs> oh, dude, I saw that. What was that like? Uh, so not, so I think the bunker gear is like 40 or 50 pounds. So it's already, you're doing heavy Murph. <laughs> and then on top of that, you have the gear on that doesn't breathe. So now you're just going into heat exhaustion and it was, I'd uh, having like my helmet for some reason is stupid heavy. Like I don't have a leather helmet. My helmet was like 10 pounds. So it's just not fun. <laughs> is it partitioned or are you just, nope. You so go? I plan to go there partitioned and then we get there. I was like, all right, we're doing unpartitioned Murph. And I'm like, wait. Do we all have to do that? <laughs> <laughs> what about all this gear I'm wearing? <laughs> and they're like, yep. It's like, that's how Murph would have wanted. I'm like, would Murph want us to kip the pull-ups too? Or Did you kip them? Yeah, of course I did. <laughs> Gotta kip them. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, so it took me like 44 minutes to do Murph and all that gear. It was, uh... That's not bad on partition with all that stuff on. That's pretty solid. Yeah, yeah. I did it with Eric Hinman because 10,000 gear response. So Eric did it in like 33 minutes or something. That was insane. With the vest on? <laughs> yep. Yeah, he's pretty fit, man. He's He's legit. He's, he's, he's legit. <laughs> um, and you just got a tattoo? Did you get a tattoo the other day? I did get a tattoo. So I got, so I think my last tattoo I got was my first dog, Aria, in a Star Wars Rebel helmet. Oh, cool. And now this tattoo I just got was my Corgi, Brandy, in a baby Yoda Shaw that she has on. <laughs> so the, are they color or are they black and gray? These, these both are color. And I just scheduled another tattoo with her, which she's booked out to January. But that'll be wow. like a muscle anatomy tattoo that I'm super stoked to get. Like, is it going to be like biomechanical or is it just going to be like a. No, like so we get a uh, old school, like Gray's Anatomy drawn textbook, like anatomy, black and white tattoo around the wrist. So it'll just show like all the underlaying of the wrist. And I might have like the vein colored. Um, just to give it some contrast. But. Is it going to be skin rips there, or is it going to be just like So a... if you look in like old school anatomy textbooks, there's just a very thin black line box, and it says figure huh. one, and it has like the drawing right there. So that's what I'm kind of shooting for, like that figure one, thin black box, and nice color, or not colored, uh, black and white anatomy tattoo. And does she do, she, she'll she she'll do that for you? Oh, yeah. Are you going to be like, I need to, this needs to be exactly, <laughs> I, I, like, I need to be able to point to everything and make sure it's anatomically correct. Exactly. I'm going to make sure it's anatomically correct. <laughs> I was going to add, like, I, I guess the answer is no, but if you were, uh, um, the, there's these basketball players named, uh, Marcus and Markeith Morris, um, they're, they're identical twins and they have identical tattoos. Like every oh, nice. tattoo they have is exactly the same too. So I don't know if you and your bro, because your brother has a bunch of tattoos, right? He has right? a bunch of tattoos. We only have one identical tattoo. Um, we have lip tattoos. His, he's thing one, I'm thing two. Like the Dr. Oh, Seuss. You, 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 got, uh, you got lip tattoos, really? Oh my God. 
<laughs> so yeah, so I think one, thing two. Did that hurt? No, this is the least painful tattoo I got. It was like really. So I drawn on it, and like, are you done? I was like, yep. I'm like, oh sweet, that was quick. I could see that, just like the vibrant. I don't necessarily think. Like I just got one on my inner arm. Mine's a right. dog tattoo too. It's a nice. hot dog from from my dachshund. <laughs> um, so the it, like it, I didn't. It felt just like buzzy. It didn't like. I didn't feel like it hurt. So, other tattoos I've gotten, like my I got my ribs done, and that one hurt a little bit. That's a kettle, uh, me holding a kettlebell saying "and strength for all," but the lip one like felt nothing. Literally felt nothing. <laughs> lip one, that's, that's solid, dude. Um, cool, man. So, where can people find you if they want to reach out? They have any questions for you? Uh, I'm still always on Instagram, Dylan Moralia, and uh, that's pretty much. I think I'm on private now because I've gotten tired of a lot of Nicole's random followers trying to follow me and. I don't know. It was weird. <laughs> just, just got weird there for a second. Are you taking on clients at all? Or are, you, are you kind of filled up? So I'll take online clients. I am not doing any more one-on-one clients because with Academy going on, there's just no time. Nah. It's just, it's it, seeing people in person is just, it's energy demanding, you know? So, right. And it's time demanding too. You have to be there. So, but online stuff's cool. But yeah, no, I just cool. sent you a picture of the Brandy Corgi tattoo if you want to take a gander. But oh, yeah. I do. I do for sure. <laughs> Are you, is it still? Are you, are you all wrapped up? Is still pretty pretty sensitive. Uh, so right now I'm just throwing it. It's like four days after, so it's probably gonna start peeling at some point soon. Where's it at? Uh, on my thigh. Oh man, outside thigh. <laughs> that is awesome. <laughs> That's really good. Yeah, uh, tattoo artist is phenomenal. She only charged me two hundred dollars for the tattoo. It's insane. Are you serious? How long did you have to sit for this? Like three or four hours? Uh, I sat three hours. Yeah, shading's really good. So she does like realistic stuff, kind of. She does all different types of stuff. Really solid. So, well, cool, man. Yeah. Uh, I appreciate you taking time. Make sure to link to everything. And, dude, awesome chatting as always. Yeah, dude. Uh, thanks for having me on. Again, if you take nothing out of this, just start lifting heavy. And, uh, yeah. <laughs> Lift heavy, and that's that. That's that. <laughs>